worship at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division from now on. Five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, Is it going to rain? And so it happens. When you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, hearing that gospel reading for today, I bet none of, us, none of us was sitting here thinking, division, Jesus? What division? Because, you know, oh, right, division. Perhaps one of the defining characteristics of our own society today. And it was not a foreign concept in Jesus' day either, or for that matter, any day between then and now. Division, identifying us and them, it's our tendency in human community. It's a result of sin and its effects in the world. It is not the will of God. And so when Jesus speaks about bringing fire to the earth and households divided, parents against children, and calling us hypocrites, our response might be, quick, turn the page. Let's find something nicer to talk about. But I think part of why this passage is so difficult for us is because it can hit pretty close to home. We can perhaps all think of relationships that have been strained or broken due to differing visions of how the world should be and how we should live in it. In Jesus' day, I'm certain that there were families divided between those who followed Jesus' very counter-cultural teachings and those who strove to not make waves to just keep the peace with the Roman Empire and all that that entailed. But you see, in cases like that, peace itself can become an idol if we value peace above the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Peace is not the highest good if it keeps us from working toward God's vision for wholeness and life for all people and all of creation. And in fact, it becomes inevitable that as followers of Jesus work to live kingdom values in a human society, there will be divisions. As we sort out how to live together as God intends and how to do God's will in the midst of a messy world. But, we say, 
Isn't this kind of contradictory to the rest of Jesus' teachings? Isn't peace basically supposed to be like Jesus' middle name or something? Wasn't peace part of the deal? Wasn't it part of the promise of the Messiah? And it's true, we could probably easily point to a dozen different Bible passages associating Jesus and the Messiah with peace. As I thought about some of those this week, I realized we read a lot of those around Advent and Christmas. But near the beginning of Luke's Gospel, it's Zechariah who says, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And then from the prophet Isaiah, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the Beatitudes, we read, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And it could go on, and they're all true. Jesus is not against peace. Jesus is not against peace, but he knows that in this world, the message of mercy and grace that he brings is bound to be divisive. Jesus never shied away from the difficulty of bringing about a new world order based on love and compassion, grace and mercy, where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So this angry speech from Jesus in Luke chapter 12 that we just heard, it can seem shocking, but maybe it shouldn't. Because the scandalous and offensive aspects of the gospel pervade all of Luke's writing not just here in chapter 12. Way back at the start in chapter 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, sings a song that is still beloved, repeated in our evening prayer settings and often heard around Christmas, what we call the Magnificat. She praises God, saying in part, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. That's the vision of salvation. And then after Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2, an old man in the temple named Simeon swept this eight-day-old baby up into his arms and prophesied, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And I won't go through chapter by chapter the whole book, but as Jesus grew into adulthood and began his public ministry in Luke chapter 4, he stood up in a synagogue and read from the prophet Isaiah, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and the crowd nearly threw him off a cliff. So opposition to Jesus, and opposition because of Jesus, it's not an isolated idea. It's a consistent reality. If you're like me, maybe you heard Jesus say, you hypocrites, in verse 56, and you wondered, why is it so hypocritical to just be completely clueless about what he's talking about? Well, maybe it's our selective application of observation and deduction. 
because we have heard over and over again as Christians about a world transformed, about an identity and a way of being no longer based on power but on humility, not on fear but on trust, not on might but on mercy, and of course on peace rather than division. The question we're not asking and perhaps have never asked, we've never paid any attention to, is how do we get there from here? What did you think Jesus seems to be saying here? How did you think this would go? Like a heavy gray sky, the signs are not that hard to interpret. Did you think we could get from a current world order of injustice and oppression where the weak are exploited for the gain of the powerful, where the sword is the arbiter of law constructed by the mighty to contain and control the masses, did you think we could get to God's dream for creation from where we are now without even a little discomfort? Did you think we could reach salvation without first enduring the cross? And if that is what we think, then we're fooling ourselves. And we are hypocrites. Because we assume that we can go through the refining fire that Jesus is yearning to kindle, and it won't hurt a bit. But that's not reality. And yet, until Jesus comes again, we've been charged with living the kingdom into reality here, being the body of Christ on earth. And it's not going to be popular with those who benefit from the current order of things. We have been called, we've been commissioned to set aside human earthly values in favor of divine. And so, as individuals and as a people, we must go through the long and rocky process of growth and transformation until our hearts are finally stretched wide enough to realize that no matter who is lowly and who is mighty by worldly standards, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yes, we worship Jesus as our Prince of Peace, but we can't skip to the end. We can't simply jump over the challenging stuff to get to the good part. We can't gloss over all that is painful and troubling and hard. We don't get to absolution without confession first, and we can't get to new life without going through death. So what we're being confronted with today in Luke chapter 12 is that the story of Jesus is not a fairy tale, where with the wave of a magic wand, all that is wrong in us and among us vanishes. It isn't a quick 90 minutes to a happy ending where we find ourselves sparkling and singing in a world suddenly without greed or idolatry or dehumanization or exploitation and all that stuff that gets in the way of the flourishing of all God's people. If the gospel weren't scandalous and offensive, then this world would not have insisted on killing the one who embodied it and proclaimed it. And if we always find it easy to follow in those footsteps, then we're probably doing it wrong. More often we find that following the way of Jesus can be a struggle day to day, an internal struggle within ourselves, a struggle in our relationships with our families, our coworkers, our neighbors, our fellow citizens. Because of course there's friction. There's 
tension, there's division that is deep and vast. But this is a struggle we are called to engage and not to ignore or to gloss over. As Lutherans, we say that salvation and the kingdom of God are already and not yet. Not yet in fullness. Yes, God's power has been made known, but God's will is not yet done on earth as it is in heaven. You might have noticed that. And sometimes the not yet feels so much bigger than the already. Sometimes the refining fire is almost hotter than we can bear. This in-between time is complicated and messy for now. There is division for now. As Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, creation has been groaning in labor pains. And we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait and as we hope and as we, with the help and grace of God, work toward that for which we hope. In the meantime, we live in division and we long for peace, trusting that in due time the reign of God will be fully realized among us. While we journey this hard road of discipleship through conflict and division, we give thanks that we walk with one who knows the way, with one who is the way, that one who will bring us at last to the kingdom that has no end, to live in perfect communion with God and all the saints. Amen.